Hello, everybody, and welcome to Snescapades Special, an episode of Snescapades where we take a break from ranking games and take a look back at the list with some special guests. And uh, that's what we're doing today. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. And we've got two very special guests today, uh, two guests from the same show this time. Yeah. Everybody, please welcome Willie and Ginger from the Grand Rapidians Play Games podcast. Hello. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So uh, would one or both of you like to talk about your show really quick and what you guys do there? Yeah, we uh, play video games, talk about them. Well, we don't play video <laughs> games on the podcast. Sorry, I already been drinking, <laughs> which we also do on the podcast. <laughs> we review an alcohol beverage, not all the time, real life experience, and then we recommend something. Usually another podcast. Or other audio. I've just got to say that uh, I was not aware of your show before Link started telling me about it, and uh, I've now listened to several episodes and had a lot of fun listening to it. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Yep, we definitely have fun, and we try and introduce people to new games that they may not have heard about. Did you mention Real Life XP? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) We'll repeat ourselves, too. (laughs) No worries. Yep. Every episode, we assign experience points for something we've done in real life. I was recently on your show, and it was a lot of fun. And now I do wish that I had thought about maybe just grabbing some sort of beverage to do this and and telling you, Emmy, to do the same. But I I did not think of that. I I finally crossed the dreaded line this week and bought some White Claw, which I've never done before. Oh, shit. (laughs) There's no law with the claw. There's no law with the claw. Um, It's dangerous because it doesn't really taste like alcohol. Luckily, it does taste kind of like cough syrup. So uh, (laughs) still not that much of an incentive to drink it. Wait, now, are we talking Dimetap? Yeah, we're we're basically talking like the cherry NyQuil in this case, I think. Oh, see, that's the good stuff right there. Like that's... Is it? Is it the good stuff? (laughs) For cough syrup? Uh, I would argue that it is. Um... <laughs> Emmy, have you and your partner been saying claw me as a way to ask the other one to grab you a white claw? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's good. I should. I should say that. Yeah. yeah. I can't take credit for that. I think I heard Dan Reichert say that on Giant Bomb at one point. That's <laughs> great. I like it. I would almost drink a white claw for that. <laughs> claw me does sound uh, more sensual than saying beer me. I'm drinking a pineapple vanilla IPA from the Collective Arts Brewing. It's a really good one. Fancy. Yeah, well, as as I learned on your show, there are IPAs that I will drink, apparently. (laughs) Yep, this one, just like it says, it tastes like pineapple and vanilla. They use fresh beans in it. Mm. Nice. And I really like the art on the cans. They use multiple different pictures from multiple artists. Like on a six-pack, you'll get like two or three different pictures on the cans. That is one thing I absolutely love about independent microbreweries. The art that they make for the cans is sometimes really incredible. I have a whiskey sour with some local-ish spirits in them. It's a rye whiskey from Red Cedar Spirits um, out of Lansing, Michigan. Um, I have uh, coffee that is now cold um, that I made in my coffee machine this morning. It's uh, an espresso roast from a, a very fancy, uh, prestigious roaster called Kirkland Signature. <laughs> so now you've got your own homemade Kirkland cold brew. Right, yeah. It's in a lovely Mega Man mug. It, it's a mug that looks like the, the E-Tank from the Mega Man games. That's drink talk, I guess, here on the show. We don't normally do drink talk, but I, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy drink talk. here to talk about Super Nintendo games, though. I mean, mostly. That's, that's what we mostly do. Mostly. <laughs> and I know that at least one of you is more of a Sega Genesis person, which I actually do want to get into just a little bit, because I do not have a whole lot of experience with the Sega Genesis at all, so I would like to know a little bit more about that. But, but first, what is your experience with the Super Nintendo? I was able to get a Super Nintendo when I was young. It was the first system that I got new. Originally, I was getting hand-me-down systems from my aunts and uncles. So when they got an Atari 7800, I got their old Atari 2600. Then when they got an NES, I got their 7800. 
But I never had an NES myself. I was a little too young to buy my own consoles. But then by the time Super Nintendo came out, I was making enough money doing chores so that I could buy a Super Nintendo. I really liked it. It was my first, like, new system. That's always very special. Right. It it really is. I don't really have too much experience with it when I was younger. More now as an adult. When I was younger, I actually had the Sega Genesis. That was always a fight to try to play it against my older brother. So So I will say that my opinion has been that the best five games on the Super Nintendo, and I will you know let the individual decide what those five games are, would mop the floor with the entire Genesis library <laughs> uh, in a head-to-head competition. But I'm starting to relax that position a little bit. Um, and so I'd like to know a little bit more about some of your favorite games on the Genesis. The best one is Sonic 2. When I was a kid, I have a brother that's five years older than me, so he had a neighbor that he got to play the NES with. But then when we had the Genesis, he would pretty much be hogging it. So Sonic 2 comes to mind because I could play that two-player. Yeah. I could play Tails and not die, but actually still be able to play throughout the levels. And get to levels that I never fucking would have as a young child. I mean, honestly, because it's a pretty hard game for a platformer. That's the one that comes to mind the most, and I played the most, even though I did have, very briefly, the Sega channel for two months when (laughs) I was younger. (laughs) Did you play Wily Wars? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The Mega Man game where they remade the three Mega Man games for the Genesis, and that was the only way you could play them in North America. I honestly didn't know if I did play that. There was this unicorn game that I fucking loved for like one month, and then it changed the next month. And then I think it was too expensive for my parents. And we took up precious, stupid TV watching time for them. So it kind of sucked that we didn't have like our own shitty TV to play the Sega TV on, because we probably would have had it longer. My parents had to kick the fucking cable guy out, too, because he kept playing, and my brother and I were like, we want to fucking play, and he's like, this game's cool, and this game's cool, and we just wanted (laughs) to fucking play. But there was a unicorn game that I remember playing on it, and I would have to look it up. I did play... uh, Was Toe Jam and Earl on there? Yeah, that was the Sega Genesis game. I played that... Briefly, because it was hard. I was like, I don't know, under 10 years old. And still into playing Barbies, too. Yeah. Sonic 2 was the best. Yeah, Sonic 2 is a really great game. I had a Genesis when when I was a kid. Uh, and I remember Sonic 2. I got my parents to... Like this is the only this is one of the the only games I can ever remember them them doing this with. Uh, I I got them to pre order that game for me because it actually had a release date when like most games just showed up on store shelves and they were like, oh hey, it's it's a new one of these. <laughs> but that one they had Sonic Tuesday where they put it out on a specific Tuesday. If you pre ordered it at at Toys R Us, they gave you a T shirt. And it was like an adult men's t-shirt, so it was <laughs> way too big for me. But I wore that thing. I wore that thing, and it was like a moo-moo. Hell yes. And, uh, yeah, I love that game. It's so good. And then there was also, was it Sonic and Knuckles that you could put Sonic 2 in? Yeah. And then you could play as Knuckles in Sonic 2? And that was another one that I really liked, Sonic and Knuckles. That was a great was it the third Sonic game? They did Sonic 3, and then they did Sonic and Knuckles, <laughs> but really Sonic and Knuckles was like the second half of 3, because 3 was like a really long game, so they were like, we can't release all this at once, so we're just gonna make the second half of it into a new game and put it out with this weird <laughs> like slot on top so that you could like plug in Sonic 3 right. and play like both parts together. That one I also remember after you started talking, I was also thinking like there's a few other Sonic games. Sonic 3, I would probably have to replay to 
remember, but Sonic and Knuckles was a fun one, too. I mean, didn't we play, like, some kind of uh, Sonic compilation for the PS2? We did, and I don't think the emulation on that is great, because <laughs> it, those games were much harder to play on that than they should be. Like, I remember not actually that long before we did that, my family was cleaning out, like, a closet, and they found my Genesis and a few of the old games, so they, like, sent them to me. And I plugged in Sonic 2, and I was able to, like, play through, like, almost the whole game without dying, which was weird because I was never that good at that game when I was a kid. And then we played it, like, a couple of months later on that thing, and I was like, I can't play this game. This is really hard. We did a whole thing back when we were doing YouTube uh, where we tried to play entire compilations of games. So, like, you know, Mega Man compilation, it's got, like, eight games on it or whatever, and we would play, like, ten minutes of each of them. And we did that with the Sonic one as well. And um, did did you end up warming up to them at all when we played that? Or was it still kind of like, these aren't really my kind of thing? The whole Sonic formula just never really clicked for me, honestly. Like, just the, the idea of, like, a platformer where you just have to blaze through it was just never really my thing. Um, I liked the more methodical, slow kind of pace of the Mario games. Uh-huh. But I, some of the more oddball Sonic games I liked just because they were so weird. Like the, what was it, Sonic Spinball, yep. where he's in a, like a, yep. yeah. kind of a pinball machine. I thought that was kind of neat, just based on how weird it was. I understand that it is not a very well-loved game, but I don't know, I, I just like that really weird stuff. And there's also Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine on that compilation. Yes. That's right, which is... It's, it's just Puyo Puyo, right? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's great, because Puyo Puyo is great. I will say, like, if I were going to try a Sonic game now, I might try that, um, what's it called, Sonic Mania? The fan game that came out a few years ago? For my money, Sonic Mania probably is the actual best Sonic game, um, but it's also like a game that was made like 20 years later by people who had like dissected and put back together all the Sonic games to figure out like what the best things were about them. Uh, and it also has a boss fight that is just a round of Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, <laughs> where like Dr. Robotnik comes down in like the, the grid from that game and you just have to play that against him instead of actually fighting him. When I saw that, that kind of blew my mind. There wasn't a lot about the Genesis that really appealed to me, but one thing that did make me very, very jealous of Genesis owners back in the day was that you guys had the good X-Men games. Oh, yeah! And all we had for a long time was Spider-Man and the X-Men in Arcade's Revenge, which I did play, but it, it just wasn't... Yeah, the X-Men game was fun. Now I remember playing that. <laughs> At the point in my life where video games and X-Men were the two most important things, the one thing that really combined them in a way that looked satisfying was on the console that I didn't have. And that was maybe like the one thing I was really super jealous of. Later on, on the Super Nintendo, there's an X-Men game. Yeah. Where I believe you can play as four. There's Wolverine, there's Psylocke, Gambit, and Nightcrawler? Beast. Nightcrawler? No, I think Beast. Oh. Yeah, Beast, Cyclops, Wolverine, Gambit, and Psylocke. Yeah, Mutant Apocalypse is actually a really good game, but it came out way late in the Super Nintendo's library. So, like, for a long time, the only one we really had was Spider-Man and the X-Men and Arcade's Revenge. You just had years to marinate in the jealousy. <laughs> it kind of combined Street Fighter moves in a platforming beat-em-up. So you'd have to do, like, a fireball motion and a button. Yeah, it was sort of the, the, the genesis of the... Capcom fighting games, uh, or the, the the Marvel fighting games that Capcom put out. I think it might have been one of the first Capcom Marvel games, unless, was it like a straight-up Avengers game? It was Captain America. War of the Gems. Oh. I can't remember which one came first, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> you guys definitely had the X-Men games? We did play, I think it was the first one with Nightcrawler. I always liked to play as Nightcrawler. You're thinking of the X-Men arcade game? The oh, Genesis. the Genesis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Nightcrawler was playable in both. Yep, we played one of those. I always liked to see female game characters when I was little. I always hated mm -hmm. that it was always, you have to be a boy. It's a boy. 
a boy, always a boy. And then eventually games started waking up and being more and more inclusive. Yeah. And I really, really enjoy seeing more and more inclusive games. There was a friend lived half a block away when I was growing up who had a Sega Genesis. And the only thing that really stands out to me was we had more fun playing Mortal Kombat on that because you could turn on the blood with the blood code. Yeah, that was a big deal. I had a friend who had the Genesis version of Mortal Kombat and um yeah, there was no question about whether we were going to play that or the or the Super Nintendo version. But it was it was no fun playing that with the Sega Genesis controller because there were only three buttons. That's true. They didn't put out the six-button controller until Street Fighter came out on the Genesis. And I definitely did like the layout of that six-button controller versus the Super Nintendo with the two shoulder buttons. Yeah, the shoulder buttons kind of get... Like, in general, I like shoulder buttons or, like, triggers on controllers. But for the Super Nintendo, they kind of don't get used for that much for the most part. I would always change my Street Fighter controls when I was using a regular controller so that I had weak and hard on the front and then medium was the shoulders because i almost never used medium except for blanca's head bite yeah i think a lot of people did that but i did eventually pick up a super nintendo controller that was shaped like the genesis six button that had all six on the front i slightly remember playing that game as well what game street fighter yeah i do want to talk a little bit more about mortal kombat because while um yeah, the original Mortal Kombat was definitely better on the Genesis for having blood and everything. I would argue the Super Nintendo got the better version of Mortal Kombat 2. Yes, even on the original Mortal Kombat, the graphics were a little bit crisper in the Super Nintendo version. But because the players would only sweat and they wouldn't bleed, it was more fun to, to see all the fatalities with the blood in the Genesis They'd just version. be whopping all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> I just think that the original Mortal Kombat just honestly doesn't look very good to to begin with. It looks awful now. If that game hadn't had all the blood and the fatalities and everything, that like that series would have just burned out immediately. But like because it had all that eye grabbing, oh wow, he's ripping his head off and the spine's coming with it. Right. It, that is what or allowed Mortal Kombat to become a franchise. And that like starting with number two, that was the actual game that like felt like a decent fighting game. At least it looked better than Pit Fighter. Yeah, I mean, if if the the one thing you have to compare your, like, digitized actors <laughs> fighting game to is Pit Fighter, you're gonna come out looking pretty good, so yeah. <laughs> I always just tried to do lots of jump kicks. My big one was the roundhouse kick, because you could, like, really knock people back <laughs> with that. I didn't really learn how to use a lot of the special moves in Mortal Kombat, honestly. Same. I think now, when I played it, I got blisters on my thumbs, because it was a hard oh, game. when you played 11? Um, not 11. Uh, the older ones. Oh. I kind of felt like the special moves were what made those games, because everyone had the exact same moveset otherwise. Like, everybody had, like, the same sweeping kick, the same roundhouse, the same uppercut. Like, there was no difference in those older games between movesets yeah uh that is pretty true and yet i was not very good at those <laughs> games so the thing that really kind of pulled me through was the graphics and the personality and the fact that if you were if you were careful with things like uppercuts and like leg sweeps and roundhouse kicks you could go a long way in those games yeah we want to start talking about the the list do you to have any any suggestions for the list yes <laughs> i would have to say sim city just needs to go to the bottom i disagree i don't care what you have to say <laughs> willie um <laughs> final fantasy 2 number one because final fantasy well did you listen to that episode because it got real close <laughs> <laughs> i have not listened to that episode yet so I'd have to go back and listen. That that might have been the closest anything came to ousting Super Mario World. That discussion was so difficult to come to a conclusion on <laughs> that we ended the episode not having made a decision 
and thought about it for a week and then came back at the start of the next one with the decision (laughs) because it was so difficult. I love Final Fantasy. I do too. I I think the thinking... I I think the thinking, that's a great phrase. I (laughs) believe where we ended up on with it was that, like, Final Fantasy 2 is great, but there are also other games, like, in that genre, and even, like, games in that series coming later that are, like, even better. Yes. So it was hard to make the... It was hard to make the argument that it was, like, quite as, as much of, like, a... Uh, you know, amazing. If you're going to only play one game, you got to play this one for that game, you know, versus other games that, that we're going to talk about a ways down the line. Yeah. Also, we just really hated Edward that much. <laughs> Worst Final Fantasy character ever. That is definitely the Jar Jar of Final Fantasy. Besides a, the whole 10-2 game. Fuck that whole game. I said Super Mario Kart to 6. Even though I didn't really play it a lot, it's just because it's done so much for racing games that I really like it. And Super Smash TV to 15. Okay, Super Smash TV. This one's interesting. That one didn't really click for us at first. I think the big thing with that is that we couldn't play it co-op. That is a big thing. And that's what makes it fun. Especially now with the pandemic, we we don't get together to play the games. We can't play them like, you know simultaneously so it unfortunately cuts out like a big bit of of like what makes that game so good that was one i would have moved up to i didn't put what games it goes in between but i said on your list i would have moved smash tv up to number 14 on your list up to 14 interesting okay well, yeah, so I think Smash TV, then, we will definitely reevaluate when we do our next episode. We will take a look at that again. I will maybe see if I can convince my wife to play that one with me for a little bit. <laughs> at least for a little bit, because that's what makes it fun, is the two-player co-op, for sure. Going back to Super Mario Kart, I hear what you're saying, because that one is... I mean, Mario Kart's just a really classic series that almost everyone has probably played one of. The big thing for us, and like specifically why it is behind Top Gear, is that Top Gear really, really impressed us as just an amazing racing game that neither of us had ever really heard of before, so... I just don't think that uh, Mario Kart impressed us as much. And I don't know if if the original Mario Kart really holds up the way that almost any of the other Mario Karts do. That's fair. But if you play the battle mode two-player again, that's... Once again, yeah, that's... that's, Yeah, Yeah, that battle mode is fun, but I mean, like... That battle mode is a thing that comes back in almost every single Mario Kart game. They left it out... They left out the good one on the Wii U. They did. The Wii, Wii U. Yeah. That was the whole thing with the re-release on the Switch was like, hey, look, we did Battle Mode this time. (laughs) We just made the same exact game, but we finally put in the Battle Mode that you guys wanted. But I mean, what I'm saying is that like, you know, play a two-player Battle Mode on the SNES and then play a four-player Battle Mode on N64. And it's just like, it's so much more fun with more people. The one I think that I would move the most on your list is Qbert 3. (laughs) <laughs> I he really, loves Q-Bert. I really love Qbert. Yeah, Qbert Three is an awesome version. Okay, and I'd move it all the way up to seven on your list. Wow. Okay, oh, I'm going to tell you right now. There's right. no way it's going that high, but <laughs> we could relitigate that one too. We could have a look at that one because, yeah, definitely what put me off of that game was how it looks. Like, I think that game is like a visual nightmare. <laughs> You know, that might not be totally fair to it. It does still have the good Qbert gameplay that you want from that, so... I always thought those trippy backgrounds were really impressive. Maybe it just, like, hit me really badly on, like, the day that we played it. Yeah, you know what? I would be okay with re-litigating that one as well. So Qbert 3 and Smash TV, we will take a second look at in the next episode. There's there's even a code for Qbert where you can just look at the backgrounds. So if you get sick of playing and you're just going to listen to some music and build some Legos or something, you could just put those weird backgrounds on the TV and partake of some, some kind of, uh, some kind of legal intoxicant and, uh, just kick back and, and, you know, enjoy, enjoy some trippy backgrounds. Yeah. Or maybe some less than legal. No, 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 Uh, no, not, not here. Not here. (laughs) No. Don't do drugs, children. I wasn't necessarily talking about pot, but... (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh, I see. (laughs) Don't do drugs, kids. Um, Unless you're in Denver. Winners don't use drugs. That'll have to be the topic of a uh, 
of another Let's Get Serious segment someday, but but not today. <laughs> I'm not. There were a bunch of video games that had that winners don't use drugs. Mm-hmm. Back in the yeah. arcade days, I just started playing one recently, and they did a spoof version of that. It was a DYA game, and at the front it said "Winners roll a lot." Because <laughs> there's like a roll move in the game that you can use to dodge bullets. Enjoy responsibly <clears throat> if your state or country allows you to. And and honestly, um, you know what? Okay, a minor let's get serious segment here. Push for more of that stuff getting decriminalized and legalized because honestly, like there are certain things that are far less dangerous than your dare officer told you they were and or could actually be good for you in some ways but and the fucked up thing is the places where it is decriminalized they're still putting BIPOC in jail for legal substances so they're not releasing BIPOC and they're still arresting BIPOC make it decriminalized across the board don't like pick and choose who's gonna get punished for that and um and defund the police. And fuck the police. <laughs> All right. Well, we had our serious segment anyway. So awesome. So. All right. <laughs> there back were, to video games. <laughs> yes. There were two other games that I would move up the rank in your list. Okay. And both of them, again, are co-op games. <laughs> <laughs> I would move Final Fight up to number 23. Final Fight is not a co-op game. You can't play that two-player? No, that's the whole issue with Super Nintendo Final Fight, is that it's only one player. That's, like, why we rank that so low, frankly, because it's, like, missing that. Okay. <laughs> Damn it. All right. My point does not stand on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's your other one. Yeah. The other one is Versus, and it's Rampart. Okay. That one, yeah, that one's... Hmm, interesting. That was an interesting game. So, I mean, have you played the SNES version of that one specifically, though? Yes, I used to have the SNES version of that. And the one player, it's okay where you have to shoot the pirate ships coming at you. But where that one really shines is when you play versus against somebody else and you have to place those irregular Tetris pieces to rebuild your walls. You need to make room to place more cannons. You need to use your special cannons that leave fire behind strategically so that your opponent can't kill their cannons. You have to decide, you know, whether you want to try and take their cannons out or whether you want to try and take their walls out. It's a really fun game to play versus. I bet that game is a lot cooler in two-player like that. That does sound like fun. I can definitely see how that would be really would be really fun. Yeah, okay. That is another one that I think we could relitigate. Yeah, I think if we could find a way to play some of these games co-op, it would be really good. Yeah, maybe uh, relitigating some of these will have to wait until 2022 or whatever when the pandemic's finally over. Unless you got a big box made of plastic to put <laughs> one of you inside. Oh, uh, yeah, boy in a bubble situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's legit. Did I say where I would put that? Uh, No, where would you put it? When I was looking at your list, (laughs) I would move that one up to number 31 if you have somebody to play against. Okay. And then there were two that I would move down that I was not big fans of. I didn't really like ActRaiser, and I'd move that down a a little bit to number 38. And Out of This World, while it looked impressive, I didn't really like actually playing it. And I think I'd move that one down to about 32. So still not, like, really far down, but definitely out of kind of that that sort of top 10 space. I definitely don't think they're in the, the top 10, top 15. Yeah, see, Out of This World was a big surprise for both of us, because I, I was kind of going into it thinking, this game looks very impressive, but it doesn't play very well. But I actually didn't find the gameplay all that problematic for me. I, I actually kind of got into it pretty quickly and, and found it found that it worked pretty well. I was actually really impressed with it. Never played it. <laughs> <laughs> and I never made it very far. <laughs> it's a cinematic platformer where you really have to make some pretty precise button presses to get your movements just right. But unlike a game, say, like Prince of Persia, where I always felt like the layout of the stages was just completely in contrast to the moveset that I had available to me, the game felt like it was very much built around the movements that, you know, whatever the main character's name is in that game, I have no idea, um, has available to him. So I don't know if Out of This World is going to go any further down. Um, ActRaiser, like, I hear what you're saying. and it, ActRaiser is the one game that I had never played before playing it for the show and actually completed. 
So I think that was a big thing for me because I actually got to experience the entire game and it, it felt really satisfying. And I think that was a big thing that boosted it for me. I feel like ActRaiser does some really kind of special stuff with like how it tells its story in a way that I think is really cool. But it just kind of sets it apart, especially since it has like the kind of two different gameplay styles. Unlike Ginger, I would rather just play SimCity. Neither of us are huge SimCity fans, but we were both pretty impressed with how well SimCity worked on the Super Nintendo, and I think that's why it ended up as as high as it did. I think I played it for a hot second on one of my (laughs) old best friends, because she had it, but I wasn't a fan. The other thing with um, the Super Nintendo SimCity is that I kind of like it more than, like, the the computer versions because it has, like, really nice music and it has some fun, like, Nintendo-specific touches. You get, like, presents for doing specific things in, like, the maps. And, like, one of the disasters that you can set on your your town is just, like, a giant Bowser comes <laughs> in and destroys it. And, like, so it's got it's got some stuff that I think is, like, cool about, like that version right. of it particularly. So I'm going to say, I, I don't think out of this world or act Razor are going to fall um, any further than they are right now, other than just, you know, like there will probably be other games that kind of push them either out of or further out of the top 10. Um, I think for now they are going to stay put, but I, I am with you guys completely on taking a second look at Rampart, um, Qbert three and smash TV, super smash TV. Yep. We are, we will take a second look at all of those and, um, likely put them higher up on the list. Unless one of them just like really rubs us the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) So much worse. (laughs) Co-op. So that's, I have grown to hate this game. (laughs) So that's all I had for stuff that I would move on your list as of when we looked at it. Same. Well, we really appreciate your input. You know, I, I do really like getting other opinions on the list. When people have, you know, like a lot of nostalgia for a game that we don't have, it's interesting to get that feedback and, you know, maybe try and take a second look at those games. Right. And nostalgia glasses will always make a game so much better than it actually is. <laughs> yeah. Which is why, like, some people are probably going to get on my case about Donkey Kong Country when it inevitably goes very high on our list uh, because <laughs> of how much I love that original game. Yeah, that game I was would, great. I would definitely put that high up there. That game's on the the Nintendo Switch online thing. So, like, a couple weeks ago, I just sat down and, like, played through that game. And, like, I used, like, the rewind feature on the Switch online to, like, correct my mistakes so that I could just see the whole game, which I I don't think I've ever done before. I've never beaten that game because it's pretty hard. And honestly, that game is actually really good. I was kind of down on it for a little, for a while, you know, I remember liking it a lot because of, like, the graphics and stuff when I was a kid. But, like, thinking, like, well, you know, it's not really that good of a game. But actually, like, playing through it and just so, kind of seeing the whole thing. Yeah, like, I think that game is way better than than I was giving it credit for. I loved that game. I had the unauthorized Prima strategy guide for that. So I could get all the secrets and get 101% on that game mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, I love Donkey Kong Country. I had the official Nintendo Power Player's Guide for that game. Might still have it somewhere. Um, also had the promotional VHS tape that Nintendo Power sent out um, regarding that game, which is wild, and we will definitely be talking about that VHS tape when we get to Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> Donkey Kong Country on one of my other old best friends, Nintendo, and it would be that game where her brothers unlocked stuff, or we would play Blazing Dragons, which was a Cheech and Chong game, actually, and it's really silly. That was a PC game, wasn't it? But we would actually... I thought it was or on was the it? Nintendo. I don't think Cheech and Chong had a Nintendo game. I'm going to have, to, gonna look, have to look. I think I would know if Cheech and Chong had a Nintendo game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. They were voices. I think it was a point-and-click game. I thought it was PC. So while she's looking that up, I'm going to say that the games that came out in 1992 that I played the most, only one of them was on Super Nintendo. It was Super Mario Kart. 
I probably didn't get my Super Nintendo until like 93, but I played the crap out of Super Mario Kart. But I played also a lot of Super Mario Brothers 2 and 3, which came out in 92. It was on the PlayStation, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Super Mario Land 1 and 2. I had both of those in 92. Played the crap out of those on my Game Boy. And Dr. Mario and Kirby's Dream Land. I did a lot of Game Boy playing. I went through a lot of AA batteries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really love those Mario Land games for Game Boy. Those, I, I think that, uh, especially the original Mario Land, people feel is like such a slight game that it's not, that it's not really worth going back to. But I, I think, you know, it, it's a small game, but yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really good Mario game. How could you not love that game? Mario has a little submarine or a spaceship or something in that game. Right, and an airplane. There's an airplane and I think a submarine shooting level. What other Mario game has that? None. That's what. Yeah, that game also had its own comic line from Valiant. I've got a bound volume of Nintendo comics and they're pretty bad, but the Mario comics are very interesting because they take place in the real world and Mario and all the characters from Mario Land specifically come out of some kid's Game Boy. It's a weird thing because Lord Tatanga, this one-off Mario villain who's never been seen from or heard from again, was front and center, <laughs> the primary antagonist of this comic book series. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know about that. That's cool. Well, I already talked about Sonic 2, but I could talk about more. Oh yeah, <laughs> go for it. It came out at the end of 92. I did do a little research on that. <laughs> so when I was looking through all of them, there was a lot that I played after 92, but the ones I played in 92, Sonic 2, Mortal Kombat, and Road Rash 2, Streets of Rage 2, that was those are the ones that I played in 92, but others that came out in 92, Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride, I actually have that for my Nintendo DS. That's my other favorite RPG, Dragon Quest games. I love so, so much. My favorite is 8. 8 is really good. I haven't gotten around to playing 5 yet, but I, I people talk about that one like it's like one of the absolute best. It's really cool because mm-hmm. you can go from like a little kid, and then you meet your wife, and then you have your own children... So you actually watch your character throughout their whole life. It's kind of neat. Then you can have your, I think, your kids fight in your team, too. <laughs> uh-huh. Anything is better than the first fucking Dragon Quest. That That's the one that was called Dragon Warrior over here? Yeah. 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 Well, now, people have a lot of love for that game, particularly, like, people who got that game, I think, for free from Nintendo Power. Okay. So that would probably be the only way that game would be good, is getting it for free. The same kind of people who like Dark Souls. Mm. Yeah, that like to get kicked in the crotch repeatedly. <laughs> like, I don't get it, but more power to you. Like, don't let me yuck your yum. <laughs> at, le- at least Dragon Quest has the thing where when you die, you just go back to the church you last saved at. Right. You don't actually, like, lose anything. Which, like, you know, I guess is actually kind of like Dark Souls as well, actually, now that I think about it. Well, later, you actually lose half of your gold when you die in Dragon Quest games. So if you're about to die, or, like, are about to go on an adventure, spend all of your money, or go put that shit in the bank. Final Fantasy V, I played not in 92, but that came out in 92. Is that by the Japanese numbering, five? Yeah, because five didn't come out in America at all until like a long time later. Correct. Which is the same as, what was it? Five and... Three also. Two and four are the same, whatever. That's... Five is just five. The way they did that shit is just dumb. Well, I mean, it sounds like they did it for kind of good reason. Like Final Fantasy 2, the actual Final Fantasy 2 is not a game that was well received, I'm wanting to say. Like the the way that they did the experience system in that game was really wonky. And even in Japan, a lot of people weren't really into it. And so that's kind of why they decided, oh, we're we're not even going to bother porting this one. (laughs) (laughs) The Addams Family. Now, I might be thinking of Fester's Quest instead of Adam's family. 
You're not Uncle Fester in this Adams family in 92, are you? No, you're Gomez in this one. Okay, so scratch that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby's Dreamland. I played yeah. later, and I hate that game. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I, I know. Everyone fucking loves it but me. Yeah. That was the original <laughs> Game Boy one, right? Yeah, and it's also on the NES, too, right? It's a different game on the NES. Yeah. Okay. Well, I played it at a later point. Not too much of a fan. Kirby's Adventure is the NES one. Kirby's Dreamland. That I hate even more. Kirby's Dreamland was the original Game Boy one. Even though I love Kirby, he's adorable. (laughs) Like, he's lucky he's a cute, round, pink pink (laughs) thing. Puke thing? No, not puke thing. Well, if he gets hit, he pukes up whichever <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I watched you play Night Trap and laughed my ass <laughs> off. What an awful game. And also, oh, all the, like, controversy around that game, oh, God, it made yeah. no fucking sense. It is nuts. In the 80s, where cocaine was insane <laughs> and everyone was too, too much cocaine, <laughs> that game... Equals too much cocaine. Super Mario Kart and Super Double Dragon. Or did I already say that? Uh, no, yeah, I don't think you mentioned that one. Yeah, that was one that actually got moved up our list from a recommendation from Trevor from the uh, Catching Up on Cinema podcast. Oh, yeah. nice. So those were the games that I played from 92. There's a lot in there in that list that I was laughing yeah. Going back to Night Trap, though, that is, I completely agree, it is nuts that that is one of the games that people latched onto as this big controversial game that, that you need to keep away from kids. What a cheesy little production that was. It, you know, it just goes to show that the government still wants to blame stuff that isn't the direct effect of negative shit. And the yeah. one scene that they were freaking out about really... Was it that awful, even compared to, like, like horror movies in the, in the 80s? There is nothing in Night Trap that you couldn't have put on, like, primetime television exactly. back in the 90s. Like, it's it's fine. It's totally... It's really tame, honestly. Okay, to, to lukewarmly play devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, especially back then, there was this idea, and I mean, not an entirely incorrect idea, that video games were played primarily by children. While all this stuff, you know, wouldn't be out of place in, like, a PG-13 movie... They were maybe worried that this was content that was being consumed by a still too young for PG-13 audience. But yes, I, I do think that like for Night Trap in particular, like the, the outrage was completely unwarranted. But I would also say this was a time where there was a lot of movies that were rated R. But I mean, come on, these movies were for children. Demolition Man, you're going to tell me that Demolition Man wasn't made for children? <laughs> I think Terminator 2 is a children's movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying any of these movies are bad. No, no, no. But I, I legit think that like like everyone I knew who was my age when Terminator 2 came out all saw that movie and thought it was really cool. I think that was intended. They would turn them all into cartoons. They would turn them all into toy lions. I mean, there was a t- toxic adventure cartoon for kids. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody who worked on Mortal Kombat who was saying like, well, no, we, we intended the game to be for adults is, is like flat out lying to you, right? Like... No adult was playing Mortal Kombat. No adult gave a crap about Mortal Kombat. Again, because kids saw a game with blood in it and were like, oh my gosh, I want to play that. And again, not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with that because, you know, the original Mortal Kombat is just silly fun. It's not anything really graphic. It's just silly. I mean, it's certainly nothing like what Mortal Kombat looks like today, where now I'm, you know, I'll watch some of that and just be like, I don't (laughs) even know if I, if I'm (laughs) enjoying this all that much. (laughs) This is maybe a little bit too. Well, uh, and it just, Yeah, it whole adds to like even like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, right. Like people freaking out in the satanic panic and Well, they did the same satanic panic for Pokemon too, so the the satanic panic stuff is just (laughs) We don't understand it, let's be scared. (laughs) I think that is also really a thing where like the people getting mad about them really don't like know what they are. Because they don't like know much about them, it's easy for anybody that like 
has like an axe to grind using it, like to to kind of tell people that it's something they should be really concerned about, and they're convinced that oh yeah, it, oh yeah, I'm sure it's bad, I'm sure it's terrible. You know, it's like none of the senators or whatever talking about Night Trap had ever played Night Trap. Of course not. I have another little list of games that I did not own back in the day, but I really liked that all came out in 1992. Yeah, let's hear So I'll run through the list, and then if there's any of them you want to talk about, we can do that. One of them you covered recently was Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. There's Total Carnage, came out in the arcades in 92. Lethal Enforcers came out in 92. Battle Clash, the Super Scope game. Devil's Crush. Bomberman 94 were both TurboGrafx-16 games that came out in 92. And then back to Super Nintendo, there was Pocky and Rocky and Batman Return. In 92? Because we didn't cover either of those. Maybe it was the arcade version of Pocky and Rocky that came out in 92. Okay, it was maybe. on a list of 1992 video games. And maybe the Super Nintendo port was a little bit later. Because, yeah, I know Pocky and Rocky is definitely coming up not too far in the future for us on the Super Nintendo. That may have been the Japanese release date. That could have been, yeah. That would that would make sense. Unfortunately, we don't really have a great way to actually play the Super Scope games right now. So that's another thing where we've, like, saved up all of those to to try to <laughs> yeah. to, to play in, like, kind of a, a stretch once we, once we figure that out. I never played Battle Clash, but I remember the ads for it looking super cool. Right. I had a Super Scope back in 92 or 93, but the only game that I owned was the one that came with it. But we lived really close to a rental store, and Battle Clash was the one Super Scope game that... That one and the Yoshi one oh, yeah, were yeah. the ones that I would rent over and over again. There is a way to play those through emulation, but, you know, like, you have a cursor on the screen, and it just feels, like, a little too easy and not in the spirit of how those games would have actually felt playing them with the actual equipment, which is why, yeah, we've we've kind of held off on doing that, because it just doesn't feel like we'd be getting anything close to the actual experience of playing that game the way it was meant to be played. Yeah, there's not many games that you have to play with a controller the size of a bazooka. That thing was wild. That's so cool, though. I had a friend who had one of those, and it was like a really cool toy and pretty good video game controller. So there was a like a, a Sega equivalent of that, right? Like the, was it called the Menacer? Yeah, that was more like a pistol, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. There was one that was like a bazooka type thing as well for for the Genesis. I never saw it, but I've seen pictures of it. But yeah, like the Super Scope is just one of the craziest looking peripherals I've ever seen for for a game system. And there was also the Konami Justifier, which came out for the Lethal Enforcers ports to the SNES. And I wanted to say, I think the Genesis as well. Yep, that's the one that I was thinking of. Lethal Enforcers, though, is just such wacky fun. It's such a weird, like, mix of the digitized graphics and, like, just the crazy, crazy shit that's happening all the time. Yeah, no, I'm I'm actually pretty excited for, for that one, for when we get to it. Rail shooters are a great genre, and especially ones that you can play with a light gun or yes. a light gun-like device. That was, like, one of the best things about the Wii era was that, like, light gun games kind of came back for a little while. Like, yeah, we've got, like, a system where, like, this is just built into the controller. I have probably a dozen different gun accessories for the Wii, everything from pistols to the zapper to shotguns. Some of them have, like, built-in laser pointers. What? And, yeah, I've got all different kinds of guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like odd gaming controllers. I was really excited just to snag the Ring Fit Adventure recently. Oh, Ooh, nice. It'll kick your ass in a good way. <laughs> I need something to trick me into doing, like, cardio mm-hmm. or working out. Now, now I want to know, though, what is each of yours favorite... Uh, like like game controller or like accessory like that. The Sega Activator. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's between the Wii Fit balance okay. board because that thing was really really cool. It's a cool controller, and I would say the Wii Zapper. I love light gun games and shooting games if I can point the fucking controller at <laughs> at the screen. Yeah. I'm not a first person shooter. 
gal. I respect all the first-person shooters, because they do shit that I cannot do. But yeah, Ginger and I played Ghost Squad so much, we hold the co-op record for both arcade mode and what's the other mode. We hold two of the two-player world records for the Wii version of that game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fun game. That's super cool, yeah. Keep forgetting you guys are world record holders. Now, uh, Ghost Squad, that's that sort of um, spiritual successor (laughs) spiritual successor to uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors? No. You're like a, you're an army guy, like, fighting terrorists and saving the president. It's just a rail shooter where terrorists pop up from, like, behind airplane seats and stuff yep. like that. Okay, you know what? I'm thinking of Ghoul Patrol, so you can understand how I got confused there, now that I think about it. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But the balance was a, board was sweet yeah. with one of the Rayman Raving Rabbids games you could play with your butt. Yeah. It was just... A really cool controller. My favorite non-traditional controller is I had a PS1 game that was big and boomerang-shaped, like the PS3 controllers were going to be originally. And it doesn't have analog sticks. It was PS1 pre-analog stick introduction. But that was my favorite regular controller. And then my favorite non-standard is the shotgun-shaped Wii Zapper that I have. Because having, like, a three-foot-long controller for playing those railgun games helps steady your aim a lot. The pistols are fun when you want to do dual-wielding in House of the Dead Overkill. Yeah. But, but if you're doing just one gun, the big shotgun-shaped controller definitely is a plus. Yeah. Another cool one mm. that is a runner-up is the Donkey Konga drums. Oh, I love those. Yeah. Because those are really cool. <laughs> yeah. And I really had a lot of fun with that game. When Will and I first were uh, together, we played a lot, and his son was really young and loved that (laughs) game. Did you ever play the, like, Donkey Kong platform game they made that used the bongos? Uh, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat? I did play it. I never owned it, but I had a friend who owned it. That game's really cool. Like, you wouldn't think that it would work, but it it is actually a really fun game. Yep, I still have two sets of bongos so we can play co-op on Donkey Konga 1 or <laughs> yep. 2. I even We went and saw Wanda Jackson in concert, and she has that song Stupid Cupid on the first Donkey Konga. You know, she was signing autographs afterwards and people were buying CDs, but I brought my copy of Donkey Konga to the concert and had her sign that. Nice. That is so yep. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we were bowling with your son and um, Rock Lobster came on, yep. and he turned around and he's like, This is the song for Donkey Konga! <laughs> and then continued to dance the entire song. Yep. It was so cute. While he was bowling. It was when he was like yes. three or four years old. That's that's pretty great. That's freaking adorable, yeah. So um, I want to talk really quick about one oddball accessory that I really like. The original camera for the Xbox 360, not the Kinect, but the camera that came with this really strange game called You're in the Movies. Have you guys ever heard of this one? (laughs) Okay, so this camera would record you and you'd have to be like doing some kind of activity, you know, like basically like a mini game collection, uh, a la WarioWare or something, except that you actually see yourself kind of very poorly green screened into, you know, whatever scenario they've got for you on the 360 game. And then they cut all of that footage together into a weird movie trailer that you and your friends are all in at the end of the game. And I actually got like my family to play that with me, like people who were not into video games playing that one with me. And we had a lot of fun. That might be my, my favorite. Yeah. That sounds kind of like the eye toy that we have for the PlayStation two. Yeah. Kind of like that. There was no movie game. They didn't cut clips together, but each one it was just you on the screen and it could sense where your movement was going on. And so you'd have to like pop bubbles or wash windows or keep soccer balls up in the air. For a while, I was trying to collect every PlayStation 2 iToy game. They were really cheap at like GameStops. I was picking them up used for like two and three bucks a piece. How many of those are there? I know there's iToy Play, one and two, three is pretty rare. There's like a racing game where you're on office chairs racing that you control with the <laughs> iToy, I believe. There's a Nicktoons version. There's a spy game version. And there's like a workout game that I don't have. So there's at least seven games for it. Probably a couple more. Wait, one more, one more. It's more <laughs> a Game Boy accessory than a weird controller. But there was that sewing machine that would connect to a Game Boy cart. 
And so you could program stitch patterns on your Game Boy and then plug it into the sewing machine and it would stitch those patterns from the Game Boy. That's super awesome. <laughs> Emmy and I actually met when we worked at Nintendo for uh, in their customer service department and we had this really great database of a bunch of old Nintendo products that we just, you know, when we weren't taking calls, we could just kind of browse through and just take a look at all this stuff and... Yeah, I remember like looking up stuff about the the sewing machine for the Game Boy, and I think there was one for the NES as well, or maybe like there was just one planned that never came to market. One, it was planned. I don't think they ever actually put it out, but yeah, there was also the Game Boy Camera, which was a lot of fun, and the Game Boy Camera had some weirdness to it. Like it had a a function that just said "run," and when you clicked on it or, or, or pushed it or whatever, it would just bring up like a freaky face, and it would say, "Who are you running from?" and it seemed that even Nintendo America wasn't entirely certain what that was for. I guess it was just to be silly, but they actually said, like, in one of the notes that was only for the operators that was not to be told to the customer, if you find another use for this, please document it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I had a Game Boy camera back in the day. Oh, yeah, those were, those were great. That yeah, was a lot those of were fun. really cool. Yeah, you guys have all mentioned um, a bunch of my favorite accessories and controllers. Um, one that I, I really liked that I, I never owned was the Chainsaw Controller for the GameCube, <laughs> the one that came out oh, yeah. for, like, Re- Resident Evil 4, where it was, like, it was this crazy giant thing that... I think I remember seeing it. I don't know how you were supposed to hold this thing, because it had all the buttons and, like, the control sticks and stuff for the GameCube controller on it, but it was this it was a chainsaw. I love that thing. It's like the best, like weird, impractical, awesome controller that I've ever seen. I've heard it's really hard to play a game with it. I've definitely seen people run, like, do speed runs of Resident Evil for using that on, like, like uh, games done quick. I'm actually looking at it. Yeah, that, that seems like what that controller was designed for to be like right. a weird, impractical thing to handicap yourself for something like a speed run. They're like three hundred dollars now. Oh, I Ooh, bet they one. are. I, I bet they are. <laughs> Well, I think we're going to wrap it up right here. This was a really fun way to look back at 92 and just get to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that we normally wouldn't really have reason to bring up on this show. So I I really appreciate all of this. Hell yeah. Um, Willie, Ginger, can't thank you both enough for being here and and talking with us for a while. Yeah, no, this has been great. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Yep, definitely. Thanks for having us. If anybody wants to check out our podcast... Just search for Grand Rapidians Play Video Games wherever you listen. And uh, with that, I think we are going to call it a day. Um, so that's going to be it for 1992. And like we said, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently as we go into 93. The next episode, we're going to be talking about January 1993. We're going to be talking about the big old Nintendo Power bonus issue that came out that month, featuring, I believe, Mickey Mouse uh, hosing down the evil Pete with a fire hose and, and shooting him with a... Very white liquid. <laughs> that's that's good. Pete, Pete, he gets he gets overheated. You gotta cool him down. He's spraying semen on stuff. <laughs> oh, she went there. <laughs> I don't think I can get away with not putting an explicit tag on this episode anyway. So yeah, I decided we were just gonna go there. You can always find like a dolphin sound and just bleep me out. <laughs> well, I've got my my little spin jump effect from Super Mario World that I normally put in, but honestly, I I think we we all just decided a while back like I'm just going to I'll just put a little disclaimer before this episode. It'll be fine. Hey, I didn't bring up any kind of jug. <laughs> That's true. Full of <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah. shit, I just did. <laughs> Well, anyways, Link, I mean, <laughs> thanks for having us. It's yes. been a blast. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you both for being here. All right, everyone. And thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will see you in January 93. Until then, I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. Play it loud. Our intro-outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E dot com.